Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates. A tragedy is a tragedy. And at the bottom, all tragedies are stupid. Give me a choice and I'll take a Midsummer Night Dream over Hamlet every time. Any fool with steady hands and a working set of lungs can build up a house of cards and blow it down, but it takes a genius to make people laugh. Stephen King. All right, thank you. Hello. This is my second time on the show. All right. I mean, I mean the first time must have been okay. But they say during the summer that drinks are ice cold. I hope not, because that means they would be impossible to drink. Because they would be solid. Here's a, here's a beer, man, it's just ice cold. Damn it. I guess I can lick it. I read that uh, uh, last year MTV's Real World got 40,000 applications. That's amazing, man. Such an even number. You would think it would be 40,008, maybe. Yeah, man. I got a lamp in my hotel room and it has a three-way light bulb in it. If you don't know a light bulb is a three-way light bulb, it messes with your head. Cause you go to turn it off and it just gets brighter. <laughs> like, damn it, light bulb, that's the exact opposite of what I want you to do. <laughs> then you turn it again and it gets brighter once more. I will break you. <laughs> that's the only reason I had this thing out here. Oh, yeah, man. I, I saw a commercial that said, forget everything you know about slipcovers. So I did. <laughs> and it was a load off my mind. <laughs> then the commercial tried to sell slipcovers, but I didn't know what the hell they were. <laughs> now, is a hippopotamus a hippopotamus or a really cool apotamus? <laughs> That's good. I want to rob a bank with a BB gun. Give me all your money or I will give you a dimple. <laughs> I will be rich, you will be cute. <laughs> I got a belt on that holds up my pants and my pants have belt loops that hold up my belt. What the, really, what the hell is really going on down there? <laughs> Who is the real hero? <laughs> uh, now, if I was a drummer and I accidentally grabbed, uh, that'd be cool if you were a drummer and you accidentally grabbed uh, two magic wands instead of drumsticks. You're pounding out the beat. Next thing you know, your bass player turns into a can of soup. Right. Can we take that joke out? Can we, can we edit it? I love cottage cheese. That's why I want to try other dwelling cheeses too. I, I want to try studio apartment cheese. Or maybe igloo cheese. Or if I'm feeling adventurous, mobile home cheese. Don't eat mobile home cheese during a tornado. It would be devastating. Dr. Scholl makes foot products. And he's a doctor, which means he went to school for a long time. But it doesn't take a lot to figure out that stepping on a cushion will be more comfortable. <laughs> that dude wasted lots of time at school. 
Because I would have bought that from a Mr. Show. <laughs> I wish they made fajita cologne, because that stuff smells good. I hate to sleep because... No, I like to sleep, actually. <laughs> I hate to dream because dreaming takes energy. It takes work. Sleeping is supposed to be a relaxing affair. I lay down on a bed, it feels great. Next thing you know, I have to build a go-kart with my ex-landlord. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you can't sleep, count sheep. Don't count endangered animals, you will run out. I bought a donut and they gave me a receipt for the donut. I don't need a receipt for a donut. I'll just give you the money, then you give me the donut and the transaction. We don't need to bring ink and paper into this. I just can't imagine a scenario where I'd have to prove that I bought a donut. Some skeptical friend, don't even act like I didn't get that donut. I got the documentation right here. I saw this lady on TV, she was born without arms. She was born with her hands attached to her shoulders, and that was sad. But then they said, Lola does not know the meaning of the word can't. And that, to me, was actually kind of worse in a way. You know, not only does she not have arms, but she doesn't understand simple contractions. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, ladies. That's hilarious, thank you. Thank you. Here's Hendrick, everybody, we'll take a break. is exciting because it's brand new. You're both on your best behavior. It's still electric. You're not totally sure about the history of mental illness in each other's families. Like, it's fun. And the most nerve-wracking part of a new relationship when you're younger is the first time a boy comes over to your apartment. Because it's ostensibly like your girlfriend audition time. Like, you want him to come in and be like, oh, it's so homey, I'd like to stay forever. And you're like, yeah, it's fine. Like, that's what you want. You try so hard in your 20s, right? Because you're young and it's fun. That's your 20s. In your 30s, <laughs> your 30s, homeboy knocks on the door, you open it, you're standing there in combat boots, nothing else, and a garbage can on fire. You're like, welcome to Fuck Dome, Scott. <laughs> Ticket? Okay, so. But it's interesting, because in your 20s, it's a weird mental game. Boys coming over for the first time, you're trying to reconcile the beautiful home that your mother kept that you lived in growing up with the beautiful home that, like, Pinterest says you're supposed to have and the fact that you have no fucking money. So, <laughs> you're like, should I buy a rug or eat dinner? I don't know. Like, it's so hard. Boys coming over, you are cleaning like you've never cleaned before. And it's hard because women secretly are filthy. <laughs> no one wants to laugh about it. Like, oh, not me. And no guy wants to imagine, like, no way, my girlfriend's so hot. Yeah? Yeah? You think you got a hot girlfriend? Check the center console of her car. <laughs> She's owned that car for a decade. It's just every year, the shit just piles up. You open that, you're like, I didn't know an Acura came with a time capsule. You just shut it. <laughs> you open it again, you just hear, help! Like, there's just something in there. 
It's our little filthy secret stockpile, right? It's a now that's what I call music CD. In case they come back. Yeah, it's one of those cables that plugs from the tape player into the CD player. It's a spilled nail polish. It's like a little bit of weed dust. It's a Calgon body spray, because you'd rather smell like a stripper than weed, right? It's that, it's a Lip Smackers Dr. Pepper flavor that's just lying there with a gash in the wax neck, like, tell my children I died well. Like, it's, it's an iPhone 4 charger. It's some McDonald's napkins. It's a French fry. <laughs> Times that center console by a million in her apartment. You are just cleaning with Swiffer and brawny. It's like a winter wonderland of paper towels. You're just shoving shit under the rugs because you didn't build a shelf. I don't know how that fucking works. You're just moving everything. You take everything, you put your coats in the oven. Burn them, I live in LA. Take everything. You take your cat, you put your cat in the hamper, just for now, Marvels. We don't know how he feels about cats. Taking everything, you're cleaning. you discovering new rooms in your apartment. You're like, how come the water heater gets its own closet? Fuck it! <laughs> you beg your roommate, you beg your gross-out roommate. You're like, please just stay in your room. You're so fucking disgusting. She's sitting there on a throne of Wendy's wrappers, like, okay, But <laughs> You text me dick pics, hello. You shut the door, cleaning it. Lighting glade candles like it's a fucking Catholic mass. It's like, smells like ham in here. He's just trying to make it nice. He opens the door. You're like, hi. He walks in. He's like, oh, place is cool. You're like, fuck you. <laughs> Peanuts and popcorns and things like that. I know that, Sebastian, but not in front of I, I beg, I beg your pardon, Frank. Ladies and gentlemen, and also the children. Will you excuse me for a minute, please? Thank you. What do you want to do? Look, Mr. Bloodhurst. Right. What are you doing? I love baseball. Well, we all love baseball. When we get to St. Louis, will you tell me the guys' names on the team so I go to see them in that St. Louis ballpark? I'll be able to know those fellas. Well, now, is it all right, folks? All right. Excuse me. I'm all right. I want to find out the fellas' names. As long as it's okay I'm, with the I'm crazy about baseball. Uh, as as, uh, will you stand still? Pick up your hat. Go pick up your hat. Now, look, then you'll go and peddle your popcorn and don't interrupt the act anymore? Yes, sir. All right, but you know, strange may seem they give ball players nowadays very peculiar names. Funny names? Nicknames, pet not, names. Not as funny as my name, Sebastian Dinwiddie. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Funny than that? Oh, absolutely, Whee! yes. Now, on the St. Louis team, we have uh, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellas on the St. Louis I'm, team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Do you know the fellas' names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean, the fellow's name on first base. Who? The fellow playing first base for St. Louis. Who? The guy on first base. Who is on first? Well, what are you asking me for? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you who is on first. I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first base. Who is on first? Have you got a first baseman on first? Certainly. Then who's playing first? Absolutely. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. 
And why not? The man's entitled to it. Who is? Yes. So who gets it? Why shouldn't he? Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Whose wife? Yes. <laughs> After all, the man earns it. Who does? Absolutely. Well, all I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? Oh, no, no, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? That's what I'm trying to find out. Well, don't change the players. I'm not changing nobody. Take it easy. What's the guy's name on first base? What's the guy's name on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. We're not talking about him. How did I get on third base? You mentioned his name. If I mention a third baseman's name, who did I say is playing third? No, who's playing first? Stay off of first, will you? Well, what do you want me to do? Now, what's the guy's name on third base? Well, what's on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. There I go, back on third again. Well, I can't change their names. Will you please stay on third base, Mr. Broadhurst? Please. Now, what is it you want to know? What is the fella's name on third base? What is the fella's name on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third, third base. Woo! <laughs> you got an outfield? Oh, sure. St. Louis has got a oh, good outfield? Absolutely. The left fielder's name. Why? I don't know. I just thought I'd ask you. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Then tell me who's playing left field. Who is playing first? Stay out of the infield! Well, don't mention their names out here. I want to know what's the fellow's name in left field. What is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. Third, Third base. base. Oh, take it easy. Take it easy, man. And the left fielder's name? Why? Because. Oh, he's center field. He's center. Will you pick up your hat, please? Pick up your hat and Whoa. stop this. Now, oh, look, Mr. Broadhurst. Yes. Wait a minute. You got a pitcher on the team? Wouldn't this be a fine team without a pitcher? I don't know. Tell me the pitcher's name. Tomorrow. You don't want to tell me the date? I'm telling you, man. Then go ahead. Tomorrow. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow are you going to tell me who's pitching? Now listen. Who is not pitching? Who is on? I'll break your arm, you say. Who's on first? Why come up here and ask? I want to know what's the pitcher's name. What's on second? I don't know. Please. You got a catcher? Yes. The catcher's name. Today. Today. And tomorrow's pitching. Now you've got it. That's all. St. Louis has got a couple of days on the team. Well, I can't help that. All right. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Got a catcher? Yes. I'm a good catcher, too, you know. I know that. I would like to play for the St. Louis team. Well, I might arrange that. I, I would like to catch. Now, I'm being a good catcher. Tomorrow's pitching on the team, and I'm catching. Yes. Tomorrow throws the ball, and the guy up bunts the ball. Yes. Now, when he bunts the ball, me being a good catcher, I want to throw the guy out at first base. So I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Well, that's all you have to do. Is to throw it to first base. Yeah. Now who's got it? Naturally. Who has it? Naturally. 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 Okay. Now you've got it. I pick up the ball and I throw it to naturally. I know you he don't. Is. You throw the ball to first base. Then who gets it? Naturally. Okay. All right. I throw the ball to naturally. You don't. You throw it to who? Naturally. Well, that's it. Say it that way. That's what I said. You did not. I said I throw the ball to naturally. You don't. You throw it to who? Naturally. Yes. So I throw the ball to first base and naturally gets no, it. No, you throw the ball to first base. Then who gets naturally. it? Naturally. That's what I'm saying. You're not saying that. Excuse me, folks. All right, I'm sorry, friend. I throw the ball to naturally. You throw it to who? Naturally. Naturally. Well, say it that way. That's what I'm saying. Don't get excited. Now, don't get I excited. I throw the ball to first base. Then who gets it? He better get it! All right, now don't get excited. Take it easy. Hmm. Now I throw the ball to first base, whoever it is drops the ball, so the guy runs to second. Mm -hmm. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it to, I don't know. I don't know, throws it back to tomorrow. A triple play. Yeah, it could be. 
Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be caused. Why? I don't know. He's on third and I don't care. What was that? I said, I don't care. Oh, that's a shortstop. Here it Comedy is simply a funny way of being serious. Peter Ustinov. You know, I was just in my hotel a little while ago on my way here, and uh, I got in the elevator, right? I'm getting in the elevator, and these two high school white boys tried to get on with me, and I just dove off. I'm saying, y'all ain't killing me. <laughs> I am scared of young white boys. <laughs> if you white and under 21, I am running for the hills. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with these white kids shooting up the school? They don't even wait till three o'clock either. <laughs> Killing people in the morning, that ain't right. It's like trench coat mafia. That we no one would play with us. We had no friends in the trench coat mafia. Hey, I saw the yearbook picture. It was six of them. I ain't have six friends in high school. I don't got six friends now. Shit, that's three on three with a half court. What the hell is with these kids. I got people telling me, come on, Chris, come up to a school, talk to the kids. I'm like, fuck the kids. <laughs> Do you got a vest? Maybe I'll think about it. Everybody want to know what the kids was listening to. What, what kind of music was they listening to? Or what kind of movies was they watching? Who gives a fuck what they was watching? <laughs> Whatever happened to crazy? <laughs> You can't be crazy no more? Do we eliminate crazy from the dictionary? Fuck the record, fuck the movie, crazy. When I was a kid, I used to separate the crazy kids from everybody. When I was a kid, the crazy kids went to school on a little ass bus. They had a class at the end of the school. And they used to get out of school at 2.30. Just in case they went crazy, they would only hurt other crazy kids. And we was all safe. We was all safe. Then the world coming to an end. <laughs> world coming to an end. You're going to have little white kids saying, I want to go to a black school where it's safe. <laughs> right, man. And everybody talking about gun control. Gotta get rid of the guns. Fuck that. I like guns. You got a gun, you don't have to work out. <laughs> I ain't working out. I ain't jogging. You got pecs? I got pecs. Fuck oh, that shit. You don't need no gun control. You know what you need? We need some bullet control. We need to make, we need to control the bullets. That's right. I think all bullets should cost $5,000. $5,000 to 
dollars for a bullet. You know why? Because if a bullet costs five thousand dollars, there'll be no more innocent bystanders. <laughs> yeah. shot to be like, damn, he must have did something. <laughs> Should they put 50000 dollars worth of bullets in his hand? <laughs> and people are think before they kill somebody if a bullet costs $5,000. Man, I would blow your fucking head off if I could afford it. <laughs> I'm gonna get me another job, I'm gonna start saving some money, and you a dead man. You better hope I can't get no bullets on layaway. <laughs> so even if you get shot by a straight bullet, you won't have to go to no doctor to get it taken out. Whoever shot you will take their bullet back. <laughs> I believe you got my property. That's <laughs> right, man. See, everybody, everybody blame the kids is fucking crazy and them, they, everybody want to be mad at the kids for shooting up the school. What about the parents? The parents. The parents is really fucked up, man. The damn parents need to go to jail for some of this fucking shit, man. You know, So what's happening with the TV show? You come up with anything? No, nothing. Why don't they have salsa on the table? What do you need salsa for? Salsa is now the number one condiment in America. Do you know why? Because people like to say salsa. <laughs> Excuse me, do you have any salsa? We need more salsa. Where's the salsa? No salsa. You know, it must be impossible for a Spanish person to order salsa and not get salsa. <laughs> I wanted salsa, not salsa! <laughs> Salsa and salsa? You have the salsa after the salsa. <laughs> this should be the show. This is the show. What? Yes. Just talk. Yeah, right. I'm really serious. I think that's a good idea. Just talking? Well, what's the show about? It's about nothing. No story? No, forget the story. You gotta have a story. Who says you gotta have a story? Remember when we were waiting for, for that table in that Chinese restaurant that time? That could be a TV show. And who's on the show? Who are the characters? I could be a character. You? Yeah, you base a character on me. So on the show, there's a character named George Costanza? Yeah. What, there's something wrong with that? I'm a character. People are always saying to me, you know, you're quite a character. And who else is on the show? Elaine could be a character. Kramer. Now, he's a character. <laughs> so everybody I know is a character on the show. Right. And it's about nothing. Absolutely nothing. So you're saying I go into NBC and tell them I got this idea for a show about nothing. We go into NBC. We? Since when are you a writer? What writer? We're talking about a sitcom. <laughs> You want to go with me to NBC? Yeah, I think we really got something here. What do we got? An idea. What idea? An idea for the show. I still don't know what the idea is. It's about nothing. Right. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. <laughs> so we go into NBC, we tell them we got an idea for a show about nothing. Exactly. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. There you go. I think you may have something here. <laughs> Yeah.
don't know if you've been following the news, <laughs> but I've been keeping my ears open, and it seems like everyone everywhere is super mad about everything all the time. I try to stay a little optimistic, even though I will admit things are getting pretty sticky. Here's how I try to look at it, and this is just me. This guy being the president, it's like there's a horse loose in a hospital. It's like there's a horse loose in a hospital. I think eventually everything's gonna be okay, but I have no idea what's gonna happen next. And neither do any of you, and neither do your parents, because there's a horse loose in the hospital. It's never happened before. No one knows what the horse is gonna do next. Least of all, the horse, he's never been in a hospital before. He's as confused as you are. There's no experts. They try to find experts on the news. They're like, we're joined now by a man that once saw a bird in the airport. It's like, get out of here with that shit. We've all seen a bird in the airport. This is a horse loose in a hospital. When a horse is loose in a hospital, you gotta stay updated. So all day long, you walk around, oh, what'd the horse do, what'd the horse do? The updates, they're not always bad. Sometimes they're just odd. Be like, the horse used the elevator. <laughs> I didn't know he knew how to do that. <laughs> the creepiest days are when you don't hear from the horse at all. <laughs> You're down in the operating room like, hey, has anyone, uh... Has anyone heard... Those are those quiet days when people are like, it looks like the horse has finally calmed down. And then 10 seconds later, the horse is like, I'm gonna run towards the baby incubators and smash him with my hooves. I got nice hooves and a long tail, I'm a horse. And it's like, oh, that's what I thought you'd say, you dumb fucking horse. And then, then, then you go to brunch with people and they're like, there shouldn't be a horse in the hospital. And it's like, we're well past that. <laughs> and then other people are like, well, if there's gonna be a horse in the hospital, I'm gonna say the N-word on TV. And it's like, those don't match up at all. And then for a second, it seemed like maybe we could survive the horse. And then 5,000 miles away, a hippo was like, I have a nuclear bomb. And I'm gonna blow up the hospital. And before we could say anything, the horse was like, if you even fucking look at the hospital, I will stomp you to death with my hooves. I dare you to do it. I want, I want you to do it. I want you to do it so I can stomp you with my hooves. I'm so fucking crazy. And he's like, you think you're fucking crazy. I'm a fucking hippopotamus. I live in a fucking lake of mud. I'm fucking crazy. And all of us are like, okay, 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 okay. Like poor Andy Cohen at those goddamn reunions. Okay, 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 okay. And then for a second, we were like, maybe the horse catcher will catch the horse. And then the horse is like, I have fired the horse catcher. And we're like, He can do that? That shouldn't be allowed no matter who the horse is. 
I don't remember that in Hamilton. <laughs> stuff. You've got to smile, be happy. Yes, now try sir. it again. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's so tasty, too. <laughs> Just like candy. No, nope, once more. I was a little hesitant at first, Mr. Mugatu. I mean, you've never hired me before, 
and I've been around for, for ages and ages. You've been around for a long, long time. I never wanted anything from you. And now you're retired. I can't have you. And it's funny how it switches like that. But now the forbidden fruit must be tasted. Well, when Maury told me what you were willing to do, <laughs> I... <laughs> Todd! Are you not aware that I get farty and bloated with a foamy latte? My mistake, Jacobin. Your mistake indeed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, Derek. What Maury said I was willing to do for you. Let's get back to the reason that we're really here. Without much further ado, I give you the Derek Zoolander Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good. What is this? A center for ants? What? How can we be expected to teach children to learn how to read if they can't even fit inside the building? Derek, it's just a I don't want to hear your excuses! The center has to be at least... three times bigger than this. He's absolutely right. Thank you. I have a vision. And so do I. Let me show you mine. Comedy is acting out of optimism. Robin Williams. I'm moving a little slow tonight. I had a hot pocket for dinner. Uh, uh, good to see I'm not the only white trash here. Uh, I buy the hot pockets. I go in grocery stores. I'm like, oh, I'll get these. I've never eaten a Hot Pocket and then afterwards been, I'm glad I ate that. I'm always like, I'm gonna die. I paid for that? Did I eat it or rub it on my face? My back hurts. Oh. I was looking at a box of Hot Pockets. They have a warning printed on the sign. So warning, you just bought Hot Pockets. I hope you're drunk or heading home to a trailer. <laughs> you hillbilly enjoy the next NASCAR event. Hot pockets! <laughs> I like NASCAR. He's a jerk. Never really see that on a menu when you go out to dinner. You know, let's see, I'll have the Caesar salad and the hot pocket. Uh, tonight's specials, we have a sea bass, which is broiled, and we have a hot pocket, which is cooked in a dirty microwave. And that comes with a side of Pepto. Is your hot pocket cold in the middle? It's frozen. But it can be served boiling lava hot. Will it burn my mouth? It'll destroy your mouth. Everything will taste like rubber for a month. All of the hot pocket. Pocket. 
Hot Pockets, yeah. They haven't been around that long, like 10 years. How'd they come up with that? Was there some guy in a marketing meeting like, I got an idea. How about we fill a Pop-Tart with nasty meat? And you could cook it in a sleeve thing. You could dunk it in the toilet. There is the vegetarian Hot Pocket for those of us that don't want to eat meat but still would like diarrhea. Hot Pocket. It should just come with a roll of toilet paper. Diarrhea Pocket. You ever notice there's no dignified way to buy toilet paper? You always have to buy that multi-pack of like 18 rolls. Stick it in your cart. Everyone in the store's like, does that guy ever leave the bathroom? What's he living off of Hot Pockets? Hot Pocket! There's the Lean Pocket. I don't even want to know what's in there. Imagine the directions. Take out of box, place directly in toilet. Flush Pocket! Pocket, 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 pocket. Recently, they introduced the breakfast hot pocket. Finally. I can't think of a better way to start the day. <laughs> Good morning! You're about to call in sick. Hot pocket! Now you can have a hot pocket for breakfast, a hot pocket for lunch, and be dead by dinner. Dead pocket. Do love that jingle. Yeah. You think they worked hard on that song? What do you got so far, Bill? Uh, uh, hot pocket. That's good. That's very good. Not as good as your buy menin, but it's good. Now, what are we gonna run in Mexico? Caliente pocket. You've got a gift, my friend. Don't hide that in a bushel basket. Hot pocket. I saw a commercial for a chicken pot pie hot pocket. Now they're just messing with us. Just a matter of time. Have you tried the hot pocket, hot pocket? It's a hot pocket filled with a hot pocket. Tastes just like a hot pocket. I'm gonna go and stick my head in the microwave. Hot pocket! definition of vulnerable, don't fuck those women. Oh, I know you want to. Do not. <laughs> what about my babysitter? No, do not. This seems like a simple thing, but it became very clear to me at Christmas time when I took myself out on a date to see the incredible musical Hamilton. Have you seen it? Oh my goodness, it's so great. If you can't get out to see the musical, download the soundtrack and listen to the songs. It's such a beautiful story, so beautifully told. Uh, my daughter was with her father that Christmas and I went all by myself Christmas Eve to see Hamilton. I had not listened to the soundtrack. I didn't know what it was about. And I went to a garbage school, so I didn't know about American history. <laughs> if you don't know who Alexander Hamilton is, he's one of the founding fathers of America. He created the justice system. He wrote a lot of the Constitution. He was a senior officer and a general in the American Revolutionary War. He made some incredible evil political inroads <laughs> even though he was an orphan and an immigrant and a lot of that was because he chose a powerful wife his wife Elizabeth Schuyler was from a high status family and you needed that back then because America was very classist and racist 
It, it's difficult to imagine it that way now. <laughs> but transport yourselves back to the 1700s. And that's very much the way that it was. And she was a great wife. Not only was she high status from a powerful family, she created the first orphanages in America. She had so many of Hamilton's kids that they named two of them Philip. That's a lot of kids. She was the Jane of her time. And then one day she says, uh, Hamilton, I love you. Let's take the children on holiday. Come with us. And he's like, no, I'm too important. And he sat alone in his house for about five seconds. And in walks a very vulnerable, very young, disheveled girl off the street. And she's like, mm, I know that you are a man of honor. I'm so sorry to bother you at home, but I don't know where to go. And I came here all alone. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> she goes, my husband's doing me wrong, beating me, cheating me, mistreating me. Suddenly, he's up and gone. I don't have the means to go on. By means, he hears cock somehow. <laughs> and this powerful politician starts licking his lips, and he's like, Lord, show me how to say no to this. I don't know how to say no to this. And I rose from my seat as though Hamilton was a choose-your-own-adventure. <laughs> and I shouted at the actor portraying Alexander Hamilton. I said, say no to what? She didn't ask you anything. <laughs> No, I had absolutely no support. They were very quiet, very shocked British audience. He was very professional, he carried on. Lord, show me how to say no to this. I don't know how to say no to this. I carried on. You said no to the British Empire though, didn't you? That was easy, but when a child asks you no questions, what are you gonna say? Lord, show me how to say no to this. I don't know how to say no to this. And then he said the actual words. But by God, she looks so helpless. And her body's saying hell yes. I was like, oh, her body is not saying that to you. <laughs> her body is saying, hey, local representative. I appear to have found myself in a domestic abuse situation. But I'm not currently allowed to vote or work or eat, so why don't you put your fucking dick away and help this lady? Help this lady! Wrong. No, that's not the reaction that the very British audience had that Christmas Eve. Not even when I tried to get the chant going. Oh, I tried to get a chant going. Put your fucking dick away. Put your fucking dick away. Put your fucking dick away. Nothing. So when I say I've seen Hamilton, I've seen half of Hamilton. I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no foolishness. And New York, goddamn y'all motherfucking women look good. Y'all like a bacon and egg sandwich, look good. But I love sex. I love it. 
can't do shit no more. And I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm big bonded. I'm heavy structured. I'm hung low. If I pull my shit out, this whole room get dark. Kick it! You don't understand. I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. I love, I love sex, man. I love it by the pound. I be glad when they put that shit in cans. Can you imagine sex in cans? Motherfuckers be shoplifting and shit. Folks be playing ball, man. Then what you get ready to do, man? I'm time to give me a six pack and put some going in. Kick it! You don't understand. <laughs> Women just do anything till you talk to you any kind of way you want to talk to somebody. It don't make no more fucking sense. I'm in a bar minding my business, cool enough, just being cool, like I am, chilling. Woman gonna come to me, think she just asked you any goddamn thing she wanna do. She said, Mac, I said, yeah, that's my name. She said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. She says, does pussy taste like pumpkin pie? Made me mad as hell. Don't ask me no damn question like that. I ain't never had no pumpkin pie. <laughs> Kick it! You don't understand. <laughs> Yo, Jim, tired of this shit. <laughs> I ain't scared of you, motherfuckers. When you make love to a black woman, I'm gonna tell you how you do it. You got to be good. I'm not talking about myself. Cause you know a fuck ain't number 50 pumps. Count if you ain't got nothing to do. It ain't number five minutes, but the full play make it seem longer. But you get a woman, black woman, man, I'm gonna tell you something. I don't care how meek that woman is, how soft-spoken she is. If you're giving her the dick. <laughs> Whatever wrong with you, she gonna let you know. You can have a patch on your eye, your leg could be broke. If you get up there, she'll be like, Woo! Shit! You patch eye motherfucker. You broke leg, son of a bitch! You know you in this motherfucker. Kick it! You don't understand, goddamn. And you know what's funny when you make love to a woman and she on top and the phone ring, that's some funny shit. When she on the phone ring, man, every time she, you know, on the phone, we ring, ring, ring. You get cool and shit. Ring, baby, don't answer. Ring, I, I gotta answer. Ring, uh, baby, don't answer. Ring, uh, it might be a job. And every time, you know, she just pick up the phone and start fiddle-fiddling with, you know. When she pick it up, every time she started to talk, give her the dick. <laughs> She'll be like, hey, hello. <laughs> when 
I'm gonna tell you something, but we gotta stop the violence, we gotta vote. Stop the violence and vote. Cause I did a show in Chicago. I mean that. Stop this violence. I was in Chicago, I did a show for Cook County Jail. And you know, over 40% of the brothers in jail for nothing. And they had a little survey, a little panel thing. We gotta ask the inmates questions, you know. So I asked the inmate, I said, uh, hey my brother, what you in for? He said, nothing. Brothers got this thing about being a punk. What is a punk? I never did understand that for the sake of my life. He said, nothing. That's how long you're in for? He said, ever? Now, you know it's a long time. You take the four off that motherfucker. <laughs> I said, man, no. I said, so what you in for? I, you know, I ain't no punk. I didn't tell on my boy. I said, what, you in jail for no motherfucker? No, you ain't no punk. <laughs> you a new fool. Cause I'd be damned if I serve time for any of you motherfuckers. I'd be in court just like this. <laughs> Judge be like, who are you? I'd be like, punk. <laughs> Yana, he killed that motherfucker. Shot him in the head four times, kicked him in the face. I tried to call you, but the line was busy. I'm burning my come out of here. Sometimes, well, hell yeah. Sometimes it's okay, but not all the time. That's, and they're the only words that seem to have that restriction. I mean, there are a lot of words you can say whenever you want, you know? Pneumonia! Nobody gives you a lot of... All right, you can't yell it in the hospital a great deal, but what the hell? There are words that you can say, no problem. Topography! No one has ever gone to jail for screaming topography. But there are some words that you can go to jail for. There are some words that we just have decided we will not say all the time. Sometimes, okay. If you're running through the jungle chasing somebody that we're at war with, you can holler them. If you're shooting a criminal, it's okay. It's the all-American thing. Dirty fucking crook. <laughs> but if you're with the bishop's wife at lunch, it's better not to ask for the goddamn lettuce. You know what I mean? It's just like we've decided there'd be some words we won't say all the time. And I was just trying to find out which words they were. For sure. All of them. I wanted a list. Because nobody gives you a list. That's the problem. They don't give you a list. Wouldn't you think it'd be normal if they didn't want you to say something to tell you what it is? Nobody even tells you when you're a kid what the words are that you're supposed to avoid. You have to say them to find out which ones they are. Shit! enough trial and error, huh? Please, Ma, give me a list, huh? All right, you're six years old now, and here's the list of words your dad and I don't ever want to hear you say. Oh, hey, thanks, Ma. Boy, that's gonna save me an ass-kicking or two. <laughs> Yeah, you never know what's going to be on the list. Because it's always somebody else's list. You didn't make that up. Somebody told you that shit. They told you, better better not say that. So you got to... And you don't know what's going to be on their list. God, B 
People's lists even change from day to day. Some people on Friday night got a list, you know, not about two or three words. Sunday morning, goddamn, they make 27 words. <laughs> These are the same people two days later. Different list. So you got to kind of watch out what you're going to believe from them. The trouble is, I was trying to find out what these words might be. And I wanted to know the ones that you could never say on television. I mean the filthy words that are always filthy. There are a lot of these little two-way, double entendre words that have two meanings, words that are okay part of the time. I call them like part-time filth. Some of these words, they're only 50% dirty. You have words like ass. Ass is hardly even a dirty word anymore, but it has a few meanings that you can't say on television. That's what I was talking about. What can you say on television? That's another one of those places where we can't use these words all the time. But some of them are all right some of the time. Ass is all right on television. You can say on television things like, well, you've made a perfect ass of yourself tonight. But you can't say, hey, let's go get some ass. <laughs> Bitch. Bitch is another word like that. Same kind of word. It's only dirty part of the time. Depends on what you mean by bitch. You might be the lady from the San Diego Zoo visiting one of the Tonight Shows, and you might just have a bunch of little canines with you there. One of them is a female. You say, there's the bitch, Johnny, and it's okay, fine. Just don't refer to the singer the same way. That's it. <laughs> is that bitch going to do another number? Yes. <laughs> Animals are fine on those two-way words. And that's it. That's what I was trying to find. The words that were always dirty, not just part of the time but completely filth. Well, in, in looking for these words, I kept finding new categories. We have so many ways of describing these dirty words. It's, well, we have more ways to describe dirty words than we actually have dirty words. That seems a little strange to me. It seems to indicate that somebody was awfully interested in these words. They kept referring to them. They called them bad words, dirty. Filthy, foul, vile, vulgar, coarse, in poor taste, unseemly, street talk, gutter talk, locker room language, barracks talk, bawdy, naughty, saucy, raunchy, rude, crude, lewd, lascivious, indecent, profane, obscene, blue, off color, risque, suggestive, Cursing, cussing, swearing, and all I could think of was shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. That's all I hear. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. That was my original list. I knew it wasn't complete, but it was a starter set, you know? Shit, piss, fuck, yes, WBAI is the one who played them. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Now, that was the original list. We've added a few words since then. We've added fart, turd, and twat. <laughs> and I know there are some other words that many of you are wondering about, why they haven't been considered, why they haven't shown up on the list thus far. We're looking at them all very closely. Some of your favorites might make the list this year. <laughs> Asshole, ball bag, hard on, piss hard, blue balls, taint, nookie, snatch box, Pussy, pecker, peckerhead, pecker tracks, jism, joint, doniker, dork, poontang. Cornhole and dingleberry. Dingleberry, a very popular word. 
And to my way of thinking, Dingleberry, a rather innocent sounding word, Dingleberry, sounds Christmassy to me, you know. <laughs> Let's put one on the tree, Dad. To be bullshit, you know, but when you get them feeling somebody touches that shit inside you, that shit be fucking with you. When they make you man, and women, I don't give a fuck. You all can be so cool about turning a motherfucker off. You love when a motherfucker be in love with you because you can be some nasty bitches. <laughs> when the mother, darling, please don't let me just give me the... Oh God, are you calling again? God, Richard, please just don't do this to yourself. <laughs> I mean, why don't, why don't you go home and bathe or something like that? It's, just don't call here anymore. Just a minute, John. women be so cool though when you angry don't you tell me I lose I love you don't you see yes dear I'm going for a walk <laughs> a walk I want to fight <laughs> one night I left the house about 137 times I did I just said fuck you and then I'd have to come back like, you forget your keys, you ever leave and forget your keys? Bitch, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, uh-huh. Bleed that shit. Yeah. You'll see. Oh, shit. Then you got to go back in the house. Why come your old lady looks so good after you've been away for a while? Right, you ever like get your heart broke like men here? You ever had your heart broke like men don't get their, women get their heart broke, they cry. Men don't do that shit. Men hold that shit in like it don't hurt. Walk around and get hit by trucks. <laughs> say, didn't he see that truck? He said, motherfucker, he wouldn't have seen a 747. <laughs> Cause his heart was broken. <laughs> right, I mean, there's a feeling getting your motherfucking heart Oh, it's like, I don't know. It's like, men cannot graduate till a woman breaks your fucking heart. That is your diploma. It either kill you or make you fat. I'm talking about that heartache where your motherfucking heart be, ooh, hurting and shit, and you be, you can't even listen to music. Shit remind like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That reminds me of my leg. <laughs> She got a nose just like Rudolph. It just... And you go out with other women when you love. You go out with other women don't mean shit, right? You go out with other women and they talk and they go, you hear their voice and go, what is this bitch talking about? <laughs> Why don't she just shut the fuck up? She ain't saying shit. Cause it's hard to reestablish yourself with other people once you've been with a partner for a long time, right? Especially if you get a good woman that you really be in love with. And usually it's the man that fucks up. We fuck up, right? Then we can't find them motherfuckers no more. Right? And when you can't find her no more, it look like she get better. Every time you see her, she be beautiful with some other motherfucker that look good. I be going, I want to kill everybody everybody in the world. That's how you end up in penitentiary, Jack. A lot of people in penitentiary done killed their old ladies and shit. 
and boyfriends and shit like to just flip out. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> at least I don't have to look at. Pound for pound, Sugar Ray Robinson, the greatest fighter ever lived. Oh come on, man. What about Joe Lewis? The Brown Bomber. Now that was a great boxer. You damn right. I suppose nobody in here ever heard of Cassius Clay. We got a point. Cassius Clay was a bad motherfucker. Yeah, hey, I ain't saying Clay ain't bad. I'm just saying I stopped liking Cassius Clay once he changed his name to Muhammad Ali. What kind of shit is that? Wait a second. Wait a second. A man has the right to change his name to whatever he wants to change it to. And if a man wants to be called Muhammad Ali, God damn it, this is a free country. You should respect his wishes and call the man Muhammad Ali. His mama named Clay, I'm gonna call him Clay. Mm-hmm, that's right. I say Clay. Get out of here. <laughs> that's right, that's right. He gonna always be Clay to me. I don't give a fuck what chain name to. He is Clay, he Clay to me, I say Clay. Well then you're a putz, the three of you. Three putzes. You should change the name outside from Mighty Sharp to the three putzes. You must be out of your goddamn mind. Joe Lewis, the greatest boxer ever lived. I'll be with you boys in a minute. He was bad in Cat Clay. He bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that. Who that? You, the new boy got. Mike, Mike Tyson looked like a bulldog. He bad in him too. He whipped Mike Tyson's ass. He whipped all their asses. What about Rocky Marciano? Oh, there they go. There they go. Every time I start talking about boxing, a white man got to pull Rocky Marciano out their ass. That's the one. That's the one. Rocky Marciano. Rocky Marciano. Let me tell you something wonderful. Rocky Marciano was good. But compared to Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano ain't shit. He beat Joe Lewis's ass. That's right, he did whoop Joe Lewis's ass. Joe Lewis was 75 years old when he fought. I don't know how old he was, but he got his ass whooped. Joe Lewis had come out of retirement to fight Rocky Marciano. The man was 76 years old. Joe Lewis always lied about his age. He lied about his age all the time. One time, Frank Sinatra comes out here and sat down in this chair. And I said, Frank, you hang out with Joe Lewis. Just between me and you, how old is Joe Lewis? You know what Frank told me? He said, hey, Joe Lewis 137 years old. 137 years old. Oh, man, you ain't never meet no Frank Sinatra. Fuck you! Fuck you and fuck you! Who's next? God damn, boy, what's that, some kind of weave or something? It is my natural hair. I have been growing it since birth. Oh, shit, what kind of chemical you got in there? I have put no chemicals, only juices and berries. <laughs> shit, that ain't nothing but ultraperm. Tell me how you want me to cut this. Just make it nice and neat. That'll be $8. Hey, the boy from Africa. How y'all doing this evening? Sir, where can one go to find nice women here? Oh, you got to get out and look. They ain't gonna just fall on your lap. We have been to every bar in Queens. Well, that's where you messed up, son. You can't go to no bar to find a nice woman. You got to go to a nice place, a quiet place like a library. It's a good woman there. And um, at church, it's good girls. Or this place here, where I'm going tonight, the Black Awareness Rally, it's gonna be some fine women there. Good, good, clean girls. <laughs> Excuse me. Hey, it's Kunta Kinte! <laughs> what can I do with you, boy? Can you make my hair look like this? Oh, man, what you want to make your hair look like that for? 
Well, I like the way you wear your hair. Wear it natural. That's good, man. You know, I wish more of the young children today would wear their hair natural like Dr. Martin Luther King did. That's right. You ain't never seen Dr. Martin Luther King with no mess of Jerry Curl on his head. Ain't that right? Amen. Dr. King ain't come walk around like that. You know, sweet, I met Dr. Martin Luther King once. And you lying. You ain't never met Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah, I met Dr. Martin Luther King in 1962 in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm walking down the street, minding my own business, just walking off, feeling good. I walk around the corner, man woke up, hit me in my chest, right? I fall on the ground, right? And I look up, and Dr. Martin Luther King, I said, Dr. King! He said, oops, I thought you were somebody else. Oh, man, you lying. You ain't never met Martin Luther the King. Knocked the wind out of me. Yes, he did. No, it didn't. Yes, he did. No, he did not. Hey, boy, why are you so worried about how you look anyway? Well, I am trying to gain the interest of a certain young lady. I ain't never heard no woman giving no man no love just because his hair look good. That's right. Is this American girl? Yes. <laughs> you got to go through a papa. See, that's a big misconception. People don't know that about American women. Ain't got nothing to do with your hair or your pocket. You get in good with American woman's father, you in good with her. Ain't that right? He ain't lying. That's right. You get in good with the father, you home free. Mm-hmm. Home free. Like a bird. Who in the hell is that? You're a little late for the Christmas pageant. <laughs> I'm King Joffrey Jofer, ruler of Zamunda. Yeah, well, have a seat. Chair number two, be ready in a second. This is beautiful. What is that, velvet? I have come for my son, Akeem. Come for who? You know, Kunta from up, Kunta. Oh yeah, the boy upstairs. Oh yeah, yeah, him, he around there someplace. He live upstairs on the fifth floor. Hey, hey, who gonna clean up all these flowers? Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, stop right there. Listen, stop right there a minute. Man goes into a restaurant, you listening? A man goes into a restaurant, he sits down, he's having a bowl of soup. He says to the waiter, waiter, come, taste the soup. The waiter says, is there something wrong with the soup? He says, taste the soup. He says, is there something wrong with the soup? Is the soup too hot? He says, will you taste the soup? It's wrong. Is the soup too cold? Will you just taste the soup? All right, I'll taste the soup. Where's the spoon? Aha! <laughs> Aha! <laughs> what do you know from funny, you bastard? As the purpose of comedy is to correct the vices of men, I see no reason why anyone should be exempt. Moliere. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Burr! excited to be here. I have been doing stand-up forever, and this has always been a lifelong dream of mine to come here and host Saturday Night Live, so thank you so much for coming out. Coming out. During, during these difficult times, you guys all look like surgeons with your masks on. Makes me feel comfortable that you're wearing masks. I like people who wear masks. That's good. 
You're listening to the eggheads, the people we all cheated off of in high school, right? <laughs> Keep listening to them. And then if you don't wear a mask, that doesn't bug me either, right? Take out your grandparents, you know? <laughs> Take out your weak cousin with the asthma. I don't care. It's your decision. There's too many people. It's a dream come true. If you're that dumb and you want to kill your own family members, by all means, do it. Stops you from reproducing. It's literally a dream come true. And speaking of dreams come true, did you see Rick Moranis got sucker punched on the Upper West Side? <laughs> New York is back, baby! New York is back, yes! We lost our edge there for a minute. City started looking like a giant bed, bath, and beyond, and then bam! Oh, Ricky took one in the chops. It had to happen. It had to happen. That's what happens when you stick an M&M store in Times Square. All right? The universe has to balance itself. Get the peep shows back in Times Square. Old people can walk safely 40 blocks away. I don't know. I'll probably get canceled for doing that joke, you know? How stupid is that cancel thing? They're literally running out of people to cancel. They're going after dead people now. They're trying to cancel John Wayne. It's like, yeah, dude, God did that 40 years ago. They're all up in arms. They're like, did you hear what he said in that interview in Playboy in 1970? Can you believe that? It's like, yeah. He was born in 1907. That's what these people sounded like. You never talked to your grandparents and brought up the wrong subject, and all of a sudden it went off the rails. Like, oh, oh, grandma, just keep making the cookies. Yeah, you don't bring up race or religion with your grandparents. You keep it simple. Anyway, I don't know. I know, I guess my grandparents are older. I don't know. Plowing ahead. Plowing ahead. Let's, let's, talk, uh, let's talk white women here, shall we? Let's talk white women. White women, you're amazing. Amazing your accomplishments over the last few years. I gotta tell you, the way white women somehow hijack the woke movement, generals around the world should be analyzing this. Just to refresh your memory, the woke movement was supposed to be about people of color not getting opportunities, the at-bats that they deserved, finally making that happen. And it was about that for about eight seconds. And then somehow, white women swung their Gucci-booted feet over the fence of oppression and stuck themselves at the front of the line. I don't know how they did it. I've never heard so much complaining in my life from white women. My life is so hard with my SUV and my heated seats. You have no idea what it's like to be me. Trashing white guys. The nerve, where's the camera? The nerve of you white women. Let me, I, listen, I don't want to speak ill of my bitches here, okay? I don't, but let's, let's go back in history here, okay? You guys stood by us toxic white males through centuries of our crimes against humanity. You rolled around in the blood muddy, and occasionally when you wanted to sneak off and hook up with a black dude, if you got caught, you said it wasn't consensual. Yeah, that's what you did. That's what you did. So why don't you shut up, sit down next to me, and take your talking to. 
<laughs> Thank you. So, I haven't been in New York for about a year, you know? I was, uh, I was here last year, I was shooting a movie, had a great time with Judd Apatow, Pete Davidson, and all the guys. Yeah, had a great time. And I hadn't been here in like 13 years, and I immediately noticed how extra crowded the city was. And I was getting all claustrophobic. I'm like, what's going on? How much some people not using safe sex and making all these babies, you know? <laughs> so I finally walked up to this old New York door guy, and I was just like, dude, what's going on? What's with all these people here? And he was just like, oh, no, 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 don't worry. He goes, it's June. He goes, it's Pride Month. And I'm like, what's that? You know, I'm 52. I never heard of it, right? <laughs> they didn't have that when I was a kid. He goes, oh, it's Gay Pride Month. And I was just like, oh! <laughs> Dude, you know when you're just like stuck in the matrix and you just can't, everything's just pressed up, you can't see anything, and then somebody gives you that little nugget of information that just pulls it back? It's like, why is it so crowded? It's Gay Pride Month. Ah, tank tops. 0% body fat. Two guys kissing. Rainbow flags. Ah! I didn't know that. That's what I learned. The month of June, is Gay Pride Month. That's a little long, don't you think? For a group of people that were never enslaved. How did, how did they get all of June? Dude, black people were actually enslaved. They get February. They get 28 days of overcast weather. Sun goes down at four in the afternoon. Everybody's shivering. Nobody wants to go on the parade. Look, yeah. How about you hook them up with July? These are equator people. Give them the sun for 31 days. This gay black people, they could celebrate from June 1st June 31st, 30, 61 days of celebrating. All right, that's all my time. We got a great show for you guys, everybody. Jack White is here. It's gonna be amazing. Please stick around. We'll be right back. Now, I was hanging out with a friend of mine. He's a white guy, you know. We were just hanging out. And we were lost in the city, you know, we were smoking a joint. Now, I don't know if it was a coincidence that we were lost in the high and shit, but... <laughs> My white buddy, he was smoking a joint. <gasps> Dave, Dave! It's the goddamn cops. I'm gonna ask him for directions. I said, Chip, no! Chip, don't do it! It was too late. He was walking over there, this man was high as shit. Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Touching him and shit. Excuse me. I need some information. Uh, start confessing things he shouldn't confess. I'm a little high. All I want to know, which way is 3rd Street? The cop was like, hey, take it easy. You're on 3rd Street. You better be careful. Go ahead, move it. Move it. 
And that's all that happened. That's the end of the story. <laughs> now, I know that's not amazing to some of you, but you ask one of these black fellas, that shit is fucking incredible, isn't it? <laughs> I'm saying a black man would never dream of talking to the police high. That's a waste of weed. Serious. I mean, I'd be scared to talk to the police when I'm sleepy. They fuck around, get the wrong idea. <gasps> oh my God. That nigga was on PCP, Johnson. I had to use necessary force. You saw him. No, no, no paperwork. Just, just sprinkle some crack on him. Let's get out of here. That's how it is, but at the time, I didn't think there was anything racial about it. I was just like, man, Chip, you got fucking lucky. You better be careful. But then another time, me and Chip are driving. Now, I'm not driving. Chip is driving, and he's driving a little crazy. He's been drinking. Now, I don't like to let my friends drive drunk, but, you know, I was smoking a joint. I couldn't really say shit to the guy. I was And we get at a red light. We stop at a red light. And a car pulls up next to us. And I'll never forget it. Chippy looks at me, he's all drunk, and she's like, Dave, I'm gonna race him. <laughs> I knew it was a bad idea, but I was high. I tried to explain to him it was a bad idea, but all that came out was, well, nigga, sometimes you gotta race, I don't know. <laughs> Man, that light turned green and Chip took off. Zigzagging and shit so no one could pass. And I don't even know he was racing. <laughs> then the police seen us and pulled us over. Now you understand, I'm scared as shit. I mean, come on, the car smells like weed. I mean, speeding, this man is fucking drunk. I was scared. Chip was not scared at all. It was weird, he didn't even turn his radio down. Isn't that weird a little bit? I mean, if you get pulled over, wouldn't you turn your radio down? Nobody wanna get their ass beat to a soundtrack and shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Chip had the music blasting, we're not gonna take it. Look at the music, Dave, just relax. <gasps> Close your butt cheeks, just relax. Let me do the talking. You wanna know what he said? This is almost exactly what he said. I, I couldn't believe it. He says, oh, oh. Sorry, officer, I... I didn't know I couldn't do that. <laughs> I was fucking shocked. The cop said, well, now you know. Just get out of here. Just get the fuck out of here. Chip said, okay, I'll, I will, sir. Thank you. What? What's wrong with you, Dave? I didn't know I couldn't do that. He said, that was good, wasn't it? Because I did know I couldn't do that.
can tell you, this is actually like the first concert in North America since all this shit happened. So, like it or not, it's history. It's gonna be in the books. <laughs> At least we tried. There's other comedians who would, well, this is not the first show, but the other shows were like in drive-ins, and if people liked the niggas' jokes, they'd honk the horn. <laughs> didn't sound like any fun at all, did it? So what's you guys? You a black and white friend hanging out? Do you guys know each other? It's gonna be a quiet car ride home, isn't it? That's good. <laughs> I'm just kidding, enjoy your riots. I'm just kidding. They're not really even riots. Have you noticed that? This is a fucking weird time. Mm. In like 1993, I'm, I, I'm not sure what year it was, but I was in LA, I had smoked a joint, and I was watching the movie Apocalypse Now. It was like just after four o'clock in the morning. And what, what, what later would become the known the Northridge earthquake happened. It felt like it started in my apartment. You know, I'm from east of the Mississippi. On this side, we don't know what earthquakes are about. I gotta tell you something, man. Excuse me for burping. This shit was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. Uh, a lot of things went through my mind. I was. I was like, not naked, but you know what I mean? Just, walk, just chilling in my boxes. Uh, I put my clothes on. I found a, my weed and some, uh, a pipe and, some, and a lighter and, and some money and my keys, all these things. And while the earthquake is happening, while I'm experiencing what an earthquake is the first time, and I was certain that I would, might very possibly die. And matter of fact, I remember I made a point not to scream just in case I lived, I wouldn't have to remember myself being vocally terrified. But I forgave myself for being terrified. That earthquake couldn't have been more than 35 seconds. This man kneeled on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Can you imagine that? This kid thought he was gonna die. He knew he was gonna die. He called for his mother. He called for his dead mother. I've only seen that once before in my life. My father, on his deathbed, called for his grandmother. When I watched that tape, I understood this man knew he was gonna die. People watched it. People filmed it. And for some reason, that I still don't understand, all these fucking police had their hands in their pockets. Who are you talking to? What are you signifying? That you can kneel on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds and feel like you wouldn't get the wrath of God. That's what is happening right now. It's not for a single cop, it's for all of it. Fucking all of it. I don't mean to get heavy, but 
We got to say something. He told the police he couldn't breathe. One of the hardest parts of the tape to listen to, he said, please, I can't tell you. As a man, watching another man go through something like that, what it makes you feel like. I didn't watch the tape for weeks, for a week. I didn't watch it. I knew, I saw a still picture. I said, I don't want to see this because I can't see it. But when I finally watched it, I understood nobody's going home. Anyone who sees this, well, they're going to be furious. Oh. So the other night, I'm in my little clubhouse, and I'm watching uh, Don Lemon, that hotbed of reality. He says, where are all these celebrities? Why aren't you talking? This nigga said everybody. I was screaming at the TV. I dare you to say me, nigga. I dare you. Has anyone ever listened to me do comedy? Have I not ever said anything about these things before? So now all of a sudden, this nigga expects me to step in front of the streets and talk over the work these people are doing as a celebrity? Ask me, do you want to see a celebrity right now? Do we give a fuck what Ja Rule thinks? Does it matter about celebrity? No. This is the streets talking for themselves. They don't need me right now. I kept my mouth shut. And I'll still keep my mouth shut. But don't think that my silence is complicit to all the shit these niggas are saying, trying to get everyone to sing these fucking songs. I know all these songs. I was raised on these songs. Why would anyone care what their favorite comedian thinks after they saw a police officer kneel on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. I can't get that number out of my head because it was my time of birth on my birth certificate. I was born at 8.46 in the morning and they killed this nigga in eight minutes and 46 seconds. I watch everything everybody says. I seen Candace Owens try to convince white America, don't worry about it, he's a criminal anyway. I don't give a fuck what this nigga did. I don't care what this nigga did. I don't care if he personally kicked Candace Owens in her stinky pussy. I don't know if it stinks, but I imagine it does. And if I ever find out, I'll let you know for sure. I'll tell, like Azealia Banks, I'll tell. I'm the worst. <laughs> but I know why. I figured out why they want to hear from me, and it's serious. The only reason people want to hear from people like me is because you trust me. You don't expect me to be perfect, but I don't lie to you. I'm just a guy, and I don't lie to you. And every institution, Every institution that we trust lies to us. How come they never talk about Chris Dorner? That's a story about a man who believed he did everything right. 
Do you know who Chris Dorner is? Well, Chris Dorner, if you remember, was an African-American police officer in the LAPD. He was executing a warrant with his partner, who was a white woman. And white women, I support you, but boy, if y'all don't shut the fuck up. During the process of executing this warrant, this white woman uh, did what Chris Dorner thought was excessive force. I don't know what she did. She kicked a motherfucker that was handcuffed or hit a guy that was handcuffed or something. But Chris Dorner, the black police officer who watched this white woman do this, reported this to his superior, made a formal complaint, and was subsequently fired from the LAPD. He went through the system. He took every legal avenue that he believed he had to get reinstated, and he was not reinstated. And when his last appeal was finished, this motherfucker, some wild shit, wrote a manifesto. You know where this is going. And in that manifesto, he called me a genius. Me, Dave Chappelle. Not just me, but me. He said, Kevin Hart fan too. <laughs> but he called me a genius, and he told Brad, Bradley Cooper, who's a friend of mine, don't do any more hangovers, nigga, that's enough. That's what he said. <laughs> and he told his story. Chris Dorner told his story, how he did everything right when he was in the military, and subsequently everything else. This is before any of this shit happened. And then he said, which was the wildest thing, he said, I'm going to wage asymmetrical war on the LA Police Department and their families. Well, that's an ominous thing to say. And he did it. This motherfucker ambushed two police officers who were just sitting in their squad car, murdered them. He went to another police officer's house and killed his daughter. Boy, it was terrifying. And this motherfucker was on the run. He was doing it. I was supposed to do the Grammys. I was supposed to present at the Grammys that week. And a guy from the LAPD called me and said, Mr. Chappelle, we understand you're coming to Los Angeles. And I don't know if you know, but there is a lunatic on the streets who is killing police officers. And, and we would like to know if we can pick you up at the airport. We're extending this courtesy to everyone he mentioned in his manifesto. And I told the police, I'm fine. I read the manifesto. He likes me. <laughs> Is there anything I can do for you, nigga? Because I'd be very worried. <laughs> they found him. Big Bear. He was hiding in a cabin. When they figured out what this nigga was, no less than 400 police officers showed up and answered the call. And boy, let me tell you something. They Swiss cheese this nigga. He is as dead as dead could be. He is done. And you know why 400 cops showed up? Because one of their own was murdered. So how the fuck can't they understand what's going on in these streets? We saw ourselves like you see 
yourself. It wasn't the only one. LeBron James once said something about racism and Laura Ingram, which I will say publicly anywhere, anytime, is a cunt. <laughs> Tell him I said it. Amen. Told one of Ohio's greatest residents ever, shut up and dribble. Tell you something about LeBron. Snake was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was 17 years old and exceeded every expectation that they had for him. This business is treacherous. This is a good guy, LeBron. He's a family man and this, that, and the other. He, he, he didn't let anyone down. He didn't let anyone down. Came back to Ohio, won us a championship, and it was like, I'm gonna move to LA. And everyone in Ohio was like, nigga, we, we, we understand. <laughs> it's a good man, LeBron James. This bitch told my friend to shut up and dribble. My friend is the best at something, and this bitch is not the best at anything. She's a regular ass white bitch with a, with a platform. And I use the word bitch all the time because this is black. We watched one shooting after another. Eric Garner in New York, the first guy that told the police, I can't breathe. Eric Garner was selling loose cigarettes in Staten Island. When my kid was, being, when my kid was born, my first son, my, my wife lived in Staten Island. It's an awful place. Uh, she knows it. Everyone, everyone who's ever been there knows it. Yuck to Staten Island. And my black ass would go there, and I got a lot of fans there and friends there, but this is a very terrible place. Fuck everybody in Staten Island except the Wu-Tang Clan. got murdered by one police officer while five of his fellow officers watched him do it. Not one of them said, Frank, Frank, take it easy, none of that shit, because they were being recorded. Because they were afraid if I correct my fellow officer on this camera, it's gonna open us up for some kind of liability. And the guy killed the person that they were uh, uh, what, what do you call it, apprehending? A guy was selling loose cigarettes. There goes Eric Garner. And then we have one after the other. Trayvon Martin gets murdered by just a regular nigga that, George Zimmerman is nobody. George Zimmerman is an awful human being. Threatened Beyonce's life, he threatened Jay-Z's life. He signed Skittle bags because Trayvon Martin had Skittles on him when he was murdered by George Zimmerman. Boy, how do we feel? How do we feel right now? This kid was 15 years old being followed by a grown man with a gun and whooped his monkey ass. He beat the shit out of George Zimmerman and George Zimmerman murdered him. We were very upset. This kid looked eerily like the president. He looked like my own children. I, I hate George Zimmerman as an idea, not as a guy. I've never met him. I'm sure I would, though. <laughs> Hit the streets. We got the marching. Dylan Roof. Dylan Roof killed eight people in a church in Charleston, South Carolina. He prayed with them first, and then he shot them at point-blank range. 
goes on and on. And then one weekend, a law-abiding citizen right here in Beaver Creek gets murdered. The cop that murdered John Crawford pulled me over the night before and let me off with a warning. And the next day, kills a kid. He says, drop the weapon, bang, bang, bang. This kid didn't even have enough time to register that he was the one being spoke to. This is our hometown. It happened right here. I was very proud to be your neighbor. I love the way you guys hit those streets. He said his name and tried to make sure everyone remembered him, but he got lost in the sauce. And this guy, John Crawford, was a saint. He was there buying shit so him and his kids could make s'mores. But Michael Brown got shot the same week, and Michael Brown became the story. And then, am I boring you? Well then, right back in Minneapolis, there's Philando Castile, a law-abiding citizen who was a registered gun carrier who was trying to show the police the paperwork for his registered weapon and was murdered in front of his wife and his child. And then, right in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, just two days later, it happens again. And what do you think's gonna happen? Three days later, nine cops get murdered in Dallas at a Black Lives Matter rally. Wow, I'll never forget it. It was the first time I ever thought, I gotta get my family the fuck out of this place. These niggas will never understand. I'm tired of explaining to these people something that's so goddamn obvious. The guy that killed those nine cops, just like Chris Dorner before him, was from our military. And then right after he did it, another four cops were shot dead in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Again, a black man that served in our military. What are they doing? Why would our guys do that? Black people from the military? Because they believe, just like they did when they were joining the fucking military, that they were fighting acts of terror. These are our people. These are our countrymen. If I were white, and saw one of these men get murdered, and I was in the NRA, why wouldn't I stand up for them? A, a, a card-carrying legal gun owner that gets murdered in cold blood because he's black. That's why they don't give a fuck. There's only one time the NRA ever supported an assault weapon ban. You know when it was? It was when the Black Panthers stormed the state capitol with assault rifles in California. Candace Owen, that rotten bitch. She's the worst. I can't think of a worse way to make money. She's the most articulate idiot I've ever seen in my fucking life. She's so articulate, she tell you how fucking stupid she is precisely. And she told George Floyd's rap record on the internet. Oh, he was uh, this, he did that, and he was, he's a drug addict. 
and he's not a hero, and why does the black community make him a hero? Why do you choose him as a hero? We didn't choose him, you did. They killed him, and that wasn't right, so he's the guy. We're not desperate for heroes in the black community. Any nigga that survives this nightmare is my goddamned hero. This is not funny at all. <laughs> I got some pussy jokes too I could do, but I just really just. Slavery is a really wild concept. Uh, it's some weird shit. The night that those nine police officers were killed felt like the end of the world. And the only reason that it wasn't the end of the world, in my opinion, is because at the very same time that was happening, Kobe Bryant was playing his last game as an LA Laker. And as scary as all that shit was, I kept flipping back to see if Kobe would drop 60. And he did. Oh, and he did. And vaguely in the back of my mind, I remember the idiot ass bitch telling somebody to shut up and dribble. And I watched this nigga dribbling and saving this goddamn country from itself. I loved Kobe Bryant. He died the night, the day I won a Grammy, he died. That's why I didn't show up at the Grammys, because Kobe died. They had both of his fucking jersey numbers hanging up, 824. Well, that's my birthday. I cry like a baby. So here's what I said on Saturday Night Live that I've got completely wrong. At the end of my set, I talked about how few black people were invited to the White House, how Frederick Douglass was the first, and that it didn't happen again till Roosevelt. But that was wrong. It happened one other time before that. Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson received a delegation of African Americans at the White House. They were from South Carolina. There was a man who was lynched for a $30 dispute at a grain elevator. And they killed him because the nigga was rich and they hated him for being more wealthy than they were and they murdered him. And the people in South Carolina said, fuck that. And they went via the governor of South Carolina. It was a black delegation that was facilitated to meet with Woodrow Wilson. That delegation was led by the AME Bishop, William David Chappelle. It's where I get my name. It was my great-grandfather, who was a slave when he was born. These things are not old. This is not a long time ago. It's today. It's today. That man's wife was the woman that my father called on on his deathbed. And they were slaves. Are you out of your fucking mind if you can't see that? And these niggas say, why isn't David Chappelle saying anything? Because David Chappelle understands what the fuck he is seeing. And these streets will speak for themselves whether I'm alive or dead. I trust you guys. 
I love you guys. We'll keep this space open. This is the last stronghold for civil discourse. After this shit, it's just rat a tat 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 tat. I love you very much. Thank you for being here. Good night. Nobody speak, nobody get choked. All power and glory go to God. All greatness is from God. When a hero stumbles, well, the cowards rejoice. Nothing feels better to a coward than to watch a brave guy fall. Now, you guys might have seen in the news that I caught coronavirus recently, and, and, and I did. Whoops. <laughs> I did. Because in the beginning of the pandemic, I talked to a guy in the live entertainment business, and I said, when can we go back to work? He said, probably sometime in 2022. And I said, there's no fucking way I can wait that long. And I just tried to find a way that I could work. You see what we've been doing. All of you who had to endure this invasive test and wear these masks just so we could be out and hang out and be together, I tried. And after all these months, after doing all these shows, God damn it, my number was up, and then I had the Rona. Oh. <laughs> Cowards rejoice at a time like this because they're so invested in being afraid. And when I said I had the coronavirus, the overwhelming majority of people wished me well. Said, we hope you get better. Take care of yourself. We don't want anything bad to happen to you. But there was a faction of people the cowards who said, you see that, Dave Chappelle? That's why we stay inside where it's safe and we never try anything. Well, enjoy yourselves, motherfuckers, because I'm better now. <laughs> Years ago, a man named Edward Snowden came to notoriety. Do you remember him? Edward Snowden was a whistleblower. How people feel about him is a split decision. Is he good or is he bad? Was he right or was he wrong? I don't know. What he did was he detailed a government program where our government, the United States government, was spying on its own citizens. And when he did that, people didn't really care. If you remember at that time, we were prosecuting a war on terror, and my God, what if these terrorists are living amongst us? We have to do something if they spy on some of us. I mean, who has anything to hide? Remember that. Years later, after Michael Brown got killed and riots broke out in American cities and Ferguson and all these places, you heard black Americans saying they're militarizing our police departments, and no one cared because the unrest was so uncomfortable and so daunting, and, well, these Negroes look so angry. And 
Nobody said anything. Remember that. On January 6th, well, American citizens stormed the Capitol. You know, I'm from Washington, D.C. A lot of my friends growing up are Capitol Hill police officers. I said, what did you do that day? What did we do? We were kicking crackers down the steps like motherfucking 300, nigga. <laughs> Trying to save our country. Watch the tapes. Watch that crowd that told Colin Kaepernick he can't kneel during a football game, try to beat a police officer to death with an American flag. Look at that shit. Take that nigga lesson. Take this nigga lesson. What was that with Snowden talking about? Who is the terrorist now that they're looking for? It's you, not me. Not my black Muslim ass, it's you. Who are they militarizing the police for? They didn't call the National Guard on my black ass. It's you. That's what white people did. They felt what black people have been feeling for 400 years, for 30 minutes, stormed the Capitol and rubbed their shit on the walls. They carried a fucking Confederate flag through the rotunda. The Confederate Army didn't even do that. Motherfuckers, you went very far. There was a simple question, do you have a country or not? And you said no. My God, man, we're in quite the pickle, aren't we? If you could solve a black American's problems, this country would have no problems. You're so busy talking about pronouns and this, that, and the other, but this is a very basic wrong. They kidnapped us, they brought us here. They treated us like shit, and all the time that they did that, they were afraid that we would do what you would do in the same situation. But did we storm the halls of the Capitol and rub our shit on the walls? Well, of course not. If that would have worked, we would have tried it. <laughs> I know how to solve my problems. You need to know how to solve your problems. You need to know where your power lies. You are Americans, so your power lies in each other. A few weeks ago, I put a special out. I called it Unforgiven. I told people what my beef was with Comedy Central. I never talked about it. I demanded that the network pay me. Many of my peers laughed at me because that's a ridiculous thing to demand. They said, well, you signed the contract, so what are you even mad about? Here's the thing. I'm very good at minding my own business. And the trick to minding your own business is knowing what is your business. And these people that talk about me, these cowards that rejoice, well, they don't understand what greatness looks like. I never asked Comedy Central for anything. If you remember, I said, I'm going to my real boss, and I came to you, because I know where my power lies. I asked you to stop watching the show, and thank God Almighty for you, you did. 
You made that show worthless because without your eyes, it's nothing. And when you stopped watching it, they called me and I got my name back and I got my license back and I got my show back and they paid me millions of dollars. Thank you very much. When I took 12 years off and you put me right back on top when I came back, I couldn't thank you enough. You have kept me free. I have not had to do what so many of my colleagues have to do because of you. I have no idea what dicks taste like. <laughs> this is a very important moment. I want to thank Ted Sarandos at Netflix, a CEO who had the courage to take my show off its platform at financial detriment to his company just because I asked him. And I want to thank Chris McCarthy of CBS Viacom. This guy is younger than me. And like most people younger than me, has an interest in making the past right. And did something that was very courageous. And finally, after all these years, I can finally say to Comedy Central, it's been a pleasure doing business with you. Look, it's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates. Oh, my. Wait, why can't we talk about <laughs> it? It is time to talk about it.